Welcome back to the Bolton E-Bikes podcast, episode number 17. I have another special guest for you today. This is Kristen from barefoottheory.com, and she has some very exciting things to share with you about traveling on the road with your electric bike and how much fun it can be, but not only that, but how easy it can be. So make sure to stay tuned, put that phone away, and listen to episode 17. I'm Kyle Chidock, and your host for the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. All right, so today we have Kristen from Barefoot Theory, and she's got an awesome website and some cool events that she puts on, and I'll let her talk more about that. But I know she has uh, had a little bit of experience with electric bikes in kind of a unique situation. Most of us, I think, are taking our bikes on rides from our house, or maybe we put them on the back of our car, but Kristen has her e-bike with her everywhere she goes, (laughs) and and I'll let her explain a little bit about why that is. So uh, thank you so much for for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Kyle. I'm really excited to chat with you. So I think we need a little bit of background information about what you do so people can get a better visual uh, of how e-bikes fit into your lifestyle and your business. Sure. So I run the outdoor adventure blog called Barefoot Theory, uh, but it's spelled bear like the animal, B-E-A-R. Basically, what we do is we write about all things outdoor adventure, and we try to inspire and educate people on how to get outside and how to do it responsibly and give them the confidence and the tools that they need to do so. One aspect of what we write about is gear, uh, which is where some of my electric bike experiences come from. But uh, my partner, Ryan, and I spend about eight months a year traveling around in our sprinter van and living in it. And uh, we have our e-bikes with us on the road. Awesome. It's really fun to explore with. And I actually just had a customer last week come pick up his bike and uh, put it on the back of his Sprinter van. So <laughs> this oh, cool. this fits so well with uh, some of my customers and and what they do with their e-bikes. It's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, they're it's with these Sprinter vans and camper vans. You know, they're they're self-sustained. Like we have solar panels on the roof that power our bikes, and so you know it makes it really easy. You just have to have a dedicated space in the vehicle for them. That's awesome. I'm sure people will have more detailed questions, but effectively you've got enough solar panels to run everything you need on a daily basis in your van. Yes. So we have um, 440 watts of solar on the roof. They're made by a company called Zamp Solar out of Bend, Oregon. And then we have a quite a large battery bank. We have a 660 amp hour battery bank that stores the power that comes in from the solar panels and then delivers that power to our outlet. So it charges our both of our e-bikes, Uh, My computer, cameras, phones, and basically any other electronics. We also have an induction stove in the van. It charges everything. We're completely 100% self-sufficient, off-grid capable. That's awesome. I know it's a common question I get from people looking at e-bikes when they want to go camping on a road trip. They're like, hey, how can I charge them? You know, can I have a solar panel big enough in it? And for what you're doing, the answer is absolutely yes. Like, it sounds like it's no problem. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, the company that built my van, uh, they're called Outside Van, and what they did is, so we have an area under the bed where the bikes are stored, and it's called the garage, that's what van people (laughs) call that area (laughs) Uh of the van. They put in two outlets right there by the back doors, so we put our bikes in, we mount them to a fork mount that's inside the van, and then the charger is just right there, so it makes it really easy 
to just plug them in after we go on a ride and don't even really have to think about it. Oh, perfect. But there's other options for people. Like obviously not everybody has a van set up like mine, but um, there's definitely portable solar panels and portable batteries that you can use to plug things in when you're on the road if you don't have a permanently installed setup. And also a lot of campgrounds, depending on where you're staying, a lot of campgrounds have power also. So, you know, maybe you don't have a solar panel set up, but you're going to stay in an established campground with power hookups. You can charge your bike there as well. Uh, That's a great tip. You could pick your location based on somewhere you know that at least has some power available uh, if you're going to take your e-bikes with you. Yeah. So like any sort of campground that accommodates RVs will have some sort of grid that you can tap into generally. Okay. And when you're taking your e-bikes all around the road, what are you using them for? Are you just using them for fun? Are you using them to go to the store down the street? What kind of things are you doing with them? Because we're we're pretty mobile, so it's easy for us to just get in the car and drive somewhere. Like our van is pretty, uh, I mean, it might look big, but it's much smaller than an RV or a big trailer. So we don't necessarily use them so much for just like quick transportation. But we use them a lot for just for having fun. Like we go on rides, we exercise our dog. We have a, a border collie mini Australian shepherd and he has a ton of energy and like we almost it's like almost impossible to wear him out. So, <laughs> you know, we'll take him on much longer rides with the e bikes than we could on a regular bike and he can go twenty or thirty miles, no problem, which is crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of energy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. So um, the bikes we have now, they're made by Specialized. They're the Turbo Levo and they're they're full suspension mountain bikes, actually. We take them on the trails and they can pretty much go anywhere that a regular mountain bike could go. Uh, Well, there's some places you're not allowed to based on the rules, but, you know, technically in terms of their capabilities, we could take them anywhere that a regular mountain bike could go. Yeah, I've heard great things about that particular model and everybody who has them uh, seems to love them uh, as far as a a really good mountain bike that happens to have a motor. You know, it rides like a bicycle and it just, like you said, it can go anywhere. It's capable of doing that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're awesome. They're really efficient and yeah, they ride like a normal bike really. Sometimes on some electric bikes, you can sort of feel when the motor kicks in and uh, on the uh, specialized one, it's very smooth, and depending on what level you have it set at, you know they're rated for I think four, forty miles. Don't quote me on that, but I think <laughs> you know I've never had <laughs> yeah. mine run out of battery on a ride, which is awesome. Yeah, with the suspension, you know they can go you know on rocky terrain, and you know in downhill it rides the same as a normal bike. They've been a lot of fun and. You know, I'm not like an experienced mountain biker, so it's been a good way for me to ease into the sport and not have so many obstacles in terms of building my mountain biking skill set. Because I don't have to like, you know, if I come to a steep hill that I would normally have to get off my bike and walk because, you know, maybe it's too challenging. I'm able to stay on the bike and keep my momentum and um, yeah, just like not not have to stop and walk, which, you know, is really common when you're learning how to mountain bike. Right. Yeah. It makes it more fun. Like you said, it makes it easier to get into the sport. Otherwise it can be a little intimidating. Yeah, exactly. I have a question for you and this might be a tough one or you might just have an answer. I don't know, but I'm going to ask it. E-bikes or two e-bikes in a van seems like it's going to take up a fair amount of space. So was there anything you had to change or sacrifice or not take in the van to fit those bikes in there? I wonder like, 
what did you have to, to do to make the bikes a priority when you have such limited space? Sure. So um, when you're building out the van, I mean, that's a, the first thing is, if you know, you want to have bikes inside the van, which if they weren't e-bikes, maybe we would put them on the outside if they were not that valuable. But like, if you have a valuable e-bike and you want to store it inside and have it protected from the weather and from theft and all that, you have to kind of plan your van conversion around like where you're going to store the bike. So, you know, generally it depends how, how you're doing van life, but when you, I bought my van as an empty shell and then designed and built out the whole inside custom to what we wanted it to be. So, you know, things like just leaving space, most people have their bikes in the back under the bed and that's kind of the layout that works best for having your bikes inside as like a platform style bed. But the other thing you want to keep in mind is your bed height. So you kind of need to know or to have a general idea of how much vertical space the bikes are going to take up so you can make sure you put the bed high enough inside the van. So you do lose a little bit of headroom. I can sit up in the bed, but my head like brushes the ceiling because we had to put our bed kind of tall because my partner Ryan is tall and his bike is tall and just takes up a decent amount of space. But you know, in terms of other things, you, you kind of just learn what your priorities are in terms of gear that you want to have in the van. We backpack a lot and hike a lot. That's kind of our other main activity. So that stuff doesn't really take up that much room. We were also able to fit two pack racks and like boating gear in the van last year in addition to our bike. So there's quite a bit of space under the bed. I mean, it's, the bed is almost a king size bed. It goes across the whole width of the van. So there's a lot of space under there and you just have to kind of plan and use it based on your priorities. Yeah. That's pretty impressive that you are able to get all of that in there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's not like it's just crammed in there so tight that you can't use any of it. It's, it's usable space. Right. And I think uh, in terms of things that you kind of have to sacrifice, it is possible depending on what van you have, but it's difficult to find a layout that works that accommodates bikes and also having like a full indoor shower in your van. You can definitely fit a toilet because you can store a toilet in a cabinet or, you know, they're usually either portable or composting. And so you can just store them in a cabinet. They don't take up a ton of room, but like a full indoor shower consumes quite a bit of space. And so that I would say is one of the major trade-offs. We have a outdoor shower that hooks up to the back of our water tank and it's hot. So, you know, you can set up sort of like a, shower curtain or one of those shower tents you can still have a shower but that's definitely tricky to fit the bikes and a shower there's always trade-offs you know it's like either shower and bikes <laughs> or bikes and like a dinette that you can sit and eat dinner at you know you kind of have to limit it I mean our, our van is like about 100 square feet of living space so <laughs> yeah so you were definitely this is all planned out from the beginning it's not like you had all your stuff and say all right, let's see how it fits in there. It's more of a, here's the empty shell, plan on each piece. These are the things that are most important. And how do we make those fit? And some things have to, to change. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. And that's, this is something uh, I mentioned, not on this call yet, but uh, I'm launching a free online course called the Van Life Roadmap. And if you, I guess, probably around May, depending on when this comes out, but that's something we're going to cover a lot in the course is helping people figure out their priorities. You know, that's the first step. What's important because it can influence like even the kind of van that you choose to get, like the, the brand of vehicle um, and then how you build it out. And so that's one thing we'll cover in depth in the course. It's kind of going through the different options and helping people determine their priorities. So they end up with the 
a van that accommodates the things that they want to bring with them. Okay. So what I'm hearing out of that is if you want to go on a road trip, uh, long-term in a van, don't go buy a van and then figure it out. <laughs> Do your research first. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because I think a lot of people don't really think it through and then they, they buy the first van that they see and then they find out it takes being on the road for a little while to even kind of figure out sometimes. So I think thinking about it as much as you can beforehand ensures that you end up as a van you really love. Yeah, it makes total sense. <laughs> I'm on my second van. So I made the mistake the first time. My van uh, the first time didn't have a platform bed. I brought a different e-bike. I used to have the Rad Power Mini, uh, which is like a foldable electric bike. And I would bring that with me um, when I was solo in the van. But if it was my partner, Ryan, and I, and both of our bikes, like it, it wasn't going to work. And so once you kind of realize that having bikes in the van was a priority and I had a full indoor shower in my first van. So once I kind of realized I wasn't using the shower, I wanted to have the bikes. I decided to sell that van while it was still low miles and then reinvest that money in a new van that was a better fit for our needs. Okay. Just kind of clean slate and start over with no, what you knew you needed. Yes. So my goal with the course is to help people avoid that situation so they end up with the right van the first time. <laughs> okay. And so you, you mentioned a lot of things that you cover in there so far. So it sounds like the first step is kind of uh, deciding what your priorities are. What sort of things do you go into past that? Well, I mean, I think there's so many different ways to build out the van. You know, not just the layout, but then there's all these components, right? Like different water heating options, different types of solar panels, different batteries, different kitchen setups. So we go into all that. But even for people who are maybe not doing the van, maybe they have a bigger vehicle, like an, R an RV of some sort, smaller RV you know, that they buy just from a dealer or something, because there's a lot of people out there that do it that way. It's certainly easier from the get-go versus like building something totally custom. But in the course, we also talk about like how to transition from your normal home life to living in a vehicle, you know, everything from setting up insur health insurance and car insurance and your mail and just how to deal with that transition, like what to do with all your stuff if you're going to be on the road for an extended period of time. We also talk about like how to find campsites, how to find community, safety, you know, just basically all the questions that someone who's never lived on the road has going into the process and trying to kind of feed through that, give them a, a, the fast track so they're not just like kind of Googling and watching hundreds of YouTube videos trying to figure out how to do it. We're going to package it all in a very easy to understand chronological sort of step-by-step -step process. Well, that sounds great because some of those things you just mentioned would probably be my biggest fears or headaches. Yeah. <laughs> like building a, a van or, or choosing a motor home or one of those types of things doesn't sound too intimidating. But the thought of, oh no, like what do I do with my mail and these things? And like, like how do I handle all of this stuff when I'm not permanently at a physical address? That's the part that would scare me or, or stress me because <laughs> I feel like I would probably, you, you'd leave and you'd get on the road and be like, oh no, we forgot this and this and this. And like, it would be so hard to plan for that without having done it first. Yeah. And there's just so many, there's just a lot of decisions to make. And we're going to try to guide people through that. Like, do I sell my stuff? Do I put it in storage? Do I keep my house? Yeah. There's just a lot of preparations and, uh, we want to help people go through that as smoothly as possible. Okay. Now, is this course uh, or the videos or things that are coming out, are, 
are people basically watching videos or going through material and kind of uh, being given the right questions to ask themselves and kind of self-selecting their their priorities and and the things that they want to choose? Yeah, so that's exactly it. I mean, I think in my view, there's really no right or wrong way to do this. It's all about your personal preferences. And so in the course, we kind of lay out all the different options and sort of guide people to what's going to work best for them. So, you know, questions about like, do I need a bathroom and do I need a shower in my van? Well, some people say, no, I don't need that. And other people can't imagine not having that. So we kind of talk through like the pros and cons and how you're going to set your van up depending on which path you choose. And if you choose not to have a bathroom, here's places that you can find bathrooms on the road, you know, so things like that. So it's not like this, my way or the highway. It's like, here's the different options. And like, now you go choose what's going to make the most sense for you. Great. I, I love that because that's the approach I try and take with the electric bikes is there's no one e-bike that's right for everyone. It doesn't exist. It's, it's just not possible. There's so many different variations and different types that people kind of have to decide, well, you know, do I need it to fold or not to fold? Do I need to have this much power, or this much range? And, and sometimes they have to make some compromises to find the one that's the right fit for them. And I think that's true with anything in life. And all these things you're bringing up are, are bringing up more questions. And I had a question pop into my mind, and I already kind of know the answer to this, but I'll let you talk about it. What I was leading to in my head was like, oh, they, all these questions. I wonder if there's somewhere I could actually see some different types of vans or, or living arrangements and see what other people are doing. And, and maybe that would help clarify how all of this comes together. And it sounds like you have an event that's kind of geared towards that. Yes, I do. So uh, I run an, an event called Open Roads Fest. Uh, this year, it's taking place from June 25th through 28th in McCall, Idaho, which is like a really awesome little mountain town about two hours north of Boise. And yeah, last year we had about 400 people, so camped out for three days together. So it was a great opportunity to see a bunch of vans in person. All the vehicles that we had, just because of actually the access to the venue, um, were smaller than 28 feet. So these are kind of more van, compact RV type vehicles. But we had like a dozen workshops on all different aspects of van living. The venue has access to 20 miles of mountain biking trails right from the campground. And actually last year was the first time ever that the landowner allowed e-bikes on the trails as part of the event. So, because a lot of people brought their e-bikes and, you know, he wanted to make sure that those people could actually enjoy the trails too. So hopefully we'll do it the same way this year. And uh, we also had a reservoir with a private reservoir where we had three paddleboard demos. And so it was just a fun event of like a mixture of outdoor activities, community building, van tours, workshops, and just having a good time together. People are interested. They can learn more about the event at openroadsfest.com. Okay, awesome. So openroadsfest.com. And do you have to have a van or anything to go to that? I mean, who's invited, I guess? Yeah, so everybody's invited um, as long as you're willing to. So the vehicles under 28 feet or tent campers. So last year we had about 80 people camping in tents that, or you know, sleeping in a vehicle, a, a smaller car or whatever, uh, who came to learn before they invested money in a vehicle. So um, it was, yeah, it was like, I wish something like that existed before I started doing van life because <laughs> right. 
I could probably could have avoided some of the mistakes and missteps that I made uh, with my first band by just seeing a bunch of bands in person. That's great. And, and was last year the first year that that event happened? It was, yeah. So year two this year, we're really excited. We're going to try to keep it about the same size. So, you know, we want to maintain the intimate community feel of the event, same venue, and yeah, just a couple of new things in store, but it should be a great uh, second year. Okay, awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun for anybody who's interested in living life on the road of any sort. Uh, they should definitely go check that out. Yeah, and and actually we had like a really wide range of ages at the event. There were a lot of young people who you know are doing van life who were excited about the outdoor adventure aspect. And then we had a lot of people that were close to retirement age who were like, I don't want to have a house payment. I want to go travel and this is the way I'm going to do it. And so they attended all the workshops. So it was a really nice mix of people who were all there for the same passion. Oh, that's very interesting. I know my demographic for e-bikes tends to lean towards the retirement age, <laughs> generally speaking. Uh, and often people come into the shop and they're like, hey, we just retired or we're retiring next month and we're taking our our motor home or our RV, or like I said, the guy that came in last week had a sprinter van, you know, we're going to take it on the road for six months or a year and, and just kind of take a break from uh, what we've been doing the last 30, 40 years and, and go have some fun. But it's good to hear that there's those that are on the younger end of that that are doing this as well. Actually, after the event, my parents went and bought a small RV. They were like, we want to do this. This is awesome. So they're <laughs> going to be there in their their little RV this year. Then uh, my dad's actually renting a van this year for the event. So there's a bunch of camper van rental companies out there. I actually have a blog post on my website kind of listing some of the, the major companies out there. But I think that's a great way also to try the lifestyle before you commit is just to rent a van and go on a road trip for a couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll see a number of people in rented vans this year as well. That didn't even occur to me to, to think about that or ask that. I've, I've certainly seen motorhome rentals. And I knew that was a thing, but I didn't know vans that are a little bit smaller, more compact like that, that that was an option. That sounds like a great way to, to try it out and kind of see what things you do or don't like. Yeah. I mean, van life, it's all the rage. Everybody, you know, it's, it's a growing movement. And so there's just companies popping up everywhere who are renting, building, selling uh, these vans. And there's also a company called Outdoorsy where you can rent recreational vehicles by owner. So everything from big RVs to vans to Jeeps with roof, rooftop tents. And those that's all by owner. It's kind of like Airbnb for fun vehicles. Oh, that sounds awesome. They should have some e-bikes on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe they already do. I don't know. I didn't ask because I feel like for e-bikes and the vans, there's, there's so many similarities and things that cross over. I feel like e-bikes, people want to ride them because Maybe they used to ride a bike and they're getting older or, you know, there's all the different reasons. But when it comes down to it, they just kind of want to have more fun and get outdoors more than they are now. And an e-bike allows them to do that. And I kind of feel like the van life kind of allows you to be outdoors more and see more places and travel the country more. What first got you into this? I mean, when, when did this start? Sure. So I've been a full-time travel blogger for about two years before the idea to get a van popped into my head. And I wanted to be able to sleep and like live on the road while still being able to work. You know, I run a full-time business. I have three employees. I can't just take off and go on these trips 
without working some. You know, I have photos to edit, writing to do, emails to respond to. And so I thought getting a van would allow me to spend more time outside and still like be a productive business owner. And so that's kind of where the idea came from. And it certainly accomplished that. This year was our, gosh, I can't even remember now, third or fourth (laughs) year full time on the road. And yeah, we've gotten to see some amazing places. And, you know, my business has flourished at the same time, just because it's not so black or white where I'm like on the road and not working. And then I come home and I'm trying to play catch up. Now I can kind of just merge the two. Right. It sounds like you're living the, the work van life dream. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not easy all the time. I mean, there's comes with challenges and to work from the road, you definitely have to be driven and you have to really want it. You know, there's a lot of distractions when you're traveling. So you kind of have to say, okay, no, I'm going to work today. Or I try to plan around the weather and like our location and, you know, for somewhere where we really want to explore and the weather's really nice, then I'll take the day off. But maybe it's another day where it's not as nice. And, you know, maybe the lighting's not good for photos, then I'll sit, in the com- you know, sit on my computer and work. So, yeah, it really allows me to work from anywhere. I don't even, you know, there's a lot of work that I can do that doesn't even need Wi-Fi. I mean, obviously, as a blogger, some of my work, I have to be online. Um, and I use my, my phone as a hotspot usually to get internet. But sometimes we camp somewhere where there is no service. And, you know, I can use that to time to edit my photos or just you know, take a break from the computer. Obviously, that's important to do sometimes too. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to put you on the spot one more time. <laughs> I got one, one last question I'm thinking of. Because you've been traveling around for a few years now and uh, stopped at a lot of different uh, places and campsites and all over the place, if you had to pick one place around the country that you've been to that was just amazing for cycling around and getting outside, where would you go? So this last summer, we spent two and a half months in Colorado, just kind of weaving our way down the continental divide. And that was pretty epic. I don't know that there's many mountains that compare to what we saw there. And uh, what was really cool is there's so many dirt roads. So if you have an e-bike with some decent tires and maybe a little bit of suspension, you know, you can cruise those dirt roads and really get out there and explore. So that, that would probably be, I mean, I'm looking forward to going back there already. Okay. So Continental Divide, Colorado area. For anybody who's not familiar with the area, there's, I don't remember what it's called. I wish it did. I'll have to go look it up. There was a documentary kind of thing about a bike ride that does the entire Continental Divide. So basically going from Canada down to Mexico. If you go watch that documentary, that video, that'll give you a really good idea of what that terrain and everything's like. And it I have not done that myself, but it looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I know what you're talking about. That sounds amazing. But uh, one other place, like now in southern Utah, uh, I mean, I love southern Utah. I'm based in Salt Lake when I'm not traveling in the van. And down in southern Utah, they just opened up BLM land to e-bike. So in the past, trails that were non-motorized just for normal mountain bikes, e-bikes weren't allowed. And they just changed the rules. So now that opens up a bunch of new terrain down there for people who want to explore an e-bike. And it's some of the best biking trails in the world. So that would be a great destination for, for the people out there listening. That sounds great. I just saw some pictures. My, my brother and his wife were just out in Utah and, and going to some places like that. And uh, it looked great, too. Another win for e-bikes. I always love to hear when it's like, oh, another trail opened up to e-bikes. Thankfully, we're, we're hearing that more than 
the opposite of, oh, trail closed to e-bikes. I don't feel like that's happening. It's more, oh, here's another spot that's open. And it is taking time, but it's happening. <laughs> yeah. And I think the attitude is shifting. And, you know, as more and more people are buying them and trying them and giving them a chance, I think that they're realizing like, okay, this isn't like a motorcycle. This is actually like a bicycle. And I think people, you know, it all comes down to just people being respectful to other people. So whether you're on a normal mountain bike or an e-bike, you know, if you ride it, respectfully and not recklessly, you know, which, uh, I mean, I think it's like a, a couple of people who might ride it recklessly. That's the problem. So the more people that can be out there riding them and be respectful of the trail and other users, I think the more receptive people are going to be. Absolutely. And I know that's something you're rather passionate about. And, uh, we've talked about in the past is being respectful just in general while you're out camping and living on the road. And I know that's something you're very involved in. So I'm going to vouch for you and say, you're not just saying that, like <laughs> yeah. you're, you're very uh, into that and very much encouraging people to treat the land and everything with the right care and doing things right and cleaning up after yourself and those types of things. Yeah. I mean, I think the more people connect with nature, it's like the better people are, right? And I think connecting with nature and being outside can go a long ways to helping change human behavior. But as more and more people are getting outside, it's becoming more and more important that people know what good trail etiquette is and what leave no trace means. So leave no trace is sort of the nonprofit that kind of is leading the charge and sort of what constitutes good behavior outdoors and like helping people develop a strong outdoor ethic as far as like leaving no impact and making sure that we're minimizing our impact on the environment. So that's definitely something I'm passionate about. And I think it's, you know, whether you're a hiker, biker, car camper, I think it's important that everybody kind of have a understanding of what leave no trace means and making sure that we're setting a good example for new outdoor users. Well, great. I appreciate all the, the effort and work that you are putting into that and, and getting the word out there. I know in your course and website, that's uh, definitely a big part of it for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, awesome. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your experience today. I hope that enlightens people a little bit because I feel like taking your e-bikes on the road sometimes for people is a, a scary thought to some degree, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be. Everything can be done. They can be charged. They can be, they can fit <laughs> in whatever vehicle you have. There's absolutely a way to make it work. So if, if having an e-bike while being outdoors is a priority, which I can't imagine going on a, a trip and not having a bike. And that's only because I grew up always having a bicycle on the back of, like that was one of the things you took when you went camping. You always take your bike. <laughs> so I grew up that way, thankfully. And if you're not doing that, you should be because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a ton of fun. <laughs> it's a good way to explore. You get to see more on a bike than you do just walking. You know, you can cover more ground. And Absolutely. even more so on an e-bike. Yeah, going to, uh, I can imagine, some of the, the lakes and different things I went to as a kid, like being able to ride from, from a camping spot, you know, to the other side of the lake you're at. Uh, you can just get so much further and, and see more, like you said, than you normally could otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Once again, I just want to say thank you. And uh, one more time, tell people where they can go to learn more about uh, your website and your course and then also the, the Open Roads Fest. Sure. So my website is barefoottheory.com. If you're interested in the course, there's a thing in the menu called the Van Life Roadmap, and you can join the waitlist there, and that way we'll notify you as soon as that goes live. Uh, I'm also Barefoot Theory on all the social networks, so 
you're into Instagram and Facebook, you can find me there as well. Uh, and then the festival is openroadsfest.com and tickets are on sale now. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Go check those out if you're at all interested and uh, have some fun and get outdoors. Cool. Thanks, Kyle. I really appreciate it. And thank you again for listening to the Bolton e-bikes podcast. I really do appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed that episode with Kristen from barefoottheory.com. And if you have any interest at all in traveling on the road, make sure to go check out her website because she has some really good information. She knows what she's doing. Now, if you're new to the podcast, make sure to go to ebikepodcast.com. Not only can you sign up for my weekly emails that go out notifying you when new podcast episodes are released, but I will also send you a special email telling you how to enter to win a free electric bike. So please make sure to go check that out. Once again, that's ebikepodcast.com. And of course, if you have been listening for a while already, I do love those five-star reviews. We've got lots already, but I need yours. We have way more listeners than reviews. So please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever other favorite podcasting app you prefer to use. I do read every single one. Thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you again next week.